Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. How is everybody? How are you, 10 o'clock? Oh, come on. Y'all have had a lot more caffeine than 8.30. How are you, 10 o'clock? All right. That's a little better. You'll get there by the time this is over. I promise. Uh, So uh, my name is Pastor Josh. I have the privilege of being the executive pastor here at Bethesda Church. And uh, I'm so excited. Uh, As you can tell, I'm not Pastor Chad. He is in Cleveland right now preaching for one of our great friends, a friend of this house, Pastor Ken Wright. So you get me today. Sorry. Woo! I hear you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But I'm excited because uh, Pastor Chad asked me to do week one of our new series called Vertical. And um, as I begin to think about going vertical and and all these things, I begin to think about what God had already done this year up until this point. One of my favorite series that we've done ever is the All In series from January. Um, where we really talked about that this is our grown-up year and it's time for us to move forward and we need to bring heaven into the earth. Um, So today, my vertical is going to tack on to a little bit of that and um, we'll get there in just a moment. But as I started to think about vertical, uh, I just remembered this story and I thought I'd share it with you because it's an embarrassing story. It might lighten the mood. Uh, My word's a little heavy today. I don't know why Pastor Chad gets all the wow messages and I get all the ow messages. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's the messages that have changed my life along the way, so I just ask that when we get into this, that you just give me 15 or 20 minutes, and then we're, we're really going to unwrap something here in a few minutes. But anyway, so I was thinking about Vertical, and I thought of a story of when my wife and I had only been married about a year. Uh, we've been married about nine years so far, and um, we, one year in, we went to this amusement park, and what you have to know is that I am not an amusement park guy. Like, I can ride any water ride on the face of the earth, and I'm good, but you put me on a roller coaster, and I want to die, okay? <laughs> so let me see. How many in this house are, like, big roller coaster people? Like, you just ride everything. I see you all. That's not me. What about everybody else that's the guy like me that wants to hold the bags and eat the nachos? That's me. I'm the bag holder, okay? So... Just roll with me today. I got some of you out there. So anyway, I decided, I didn't know, I don't know what I did it for, but I decided I was going to impress my wife. We went to this amusement park one year in, and I was like, I'm going to do this. So I, I told her, I was like, we're going to ride this wooden roller coaster. It's like one of the top five in the world for like biggest and fastest. And I'm like, God, I can do anything for three minutes, right? Like three minutes I can do this. So you wait in line for the hour and a half, and you finally get up there. You get strapped in, and I'm like, first of all, too, I'm very white and black. If you don't know me very well, there is no gray area in my life. It's like white and black, and I think that's why Pastor Chad allows me to manage the staff, because it's either right or it's wrong, and so uh, there's no gray area. But I'm very OCD. I like to control my surroundings at all times. I don't like to not have control over a situation, and you can call it OCD, and I'll forgive you for that spirit, Um, but that's just how we're going to go today. So anyway, I go and wait, we wait in line, we get on this wooden roller coaster, and I get strapped in. And I'm trying, y'all know, especially the fellas in the room, have you ever just, you put that face on, you're like, you're trying to impress your wife, like, you're all good, everything's cool, but like, you're losing your Jesus inside. <laughs> and so, 
I get on this roller coaster. I get strapped in. I'm like, all right, I can do anything. I'm psyching myself up. I can do anything for three minutes. So we get on, and we start out, and it's cool, and it's just a little curve and a little dip, and we go about halfway up and come down a little hill, and I'm like, God, we got this. Like, I appreciate you making this, like, one of the best ones ever. Like, we can do this another minute and a half, and I'm good, and I can never have to do this again. You know, like, when you start interceding, and you're like, God, if you just get me off of this ride, <laughs> I will never do anything you don't want me to do again. That was kind of where I was at around the next corner. So we come, and the first half is okay, and I know all the while that we're building to that moment, and I'm like, God, if you just get me through this moment, it'll be good. Okay, we'll make it. So we come around this corner, and we come. Okay, we're, we're going, I don't know, 40 or 50 miles an hour. We come to a dead stop around a corner. I'm like, okay, I don't know if that was a roller coaster or my heart, but something just stopped right here at the bottom of this hill. And so all of a sudden, it's, it's the dreaded sound. All I heard was click. And if you're not a roller coaster person, that's a very fearful moment in your life. As you turn this corner to go up this hill and you hear click, 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 <laughs> click. And I'm like, okay. So I'm surveying the car. I'm like, is there an imaginary brake that I can stomp on my side of the car? Because in just a minute, this is not about to be good. So my wife's just sitting there smiling, both hands up. I'm not that guy. I am holding on to the thing with the death grip. Because I'm like, I'm not going to live off of this ride. So we go up and we're click, click, click. So we finally get the top. And I think, this could be the moment. So we start going down this, this steepest hill, a top five in the world, whatever. And I'm like, okay, for 10 seconds, it'll be okay. Just close your eyes, it'll be good. So I come down this hill, and, it, and it's, it's fast, but it's not too bad. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're almost at the bottom. And I'm like, cool, we're going to start to slow down now because I can see the station on the other side. That's not what happens. <laughs> we come down this hill, and there's this weird, like, left turn and then right turn and, like, a dip. And we're still accelerating. And I'm like, we should be slowing down. We came off of this hill. So I'm stomping the imaginary <laughs> brake on my side of the car as my wife looks on. So we come out of this dip, and the left one was okay. It kind of jolted me. I was on the right side of the car. My wife was on the left. It jolted me all the way against the outside wall. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know what happened because I don't have much recollection of what happened next. <laughs> Others around me told me what happened after. So we, uh, it's a hard right and then a quick left down into a dip. And I look up coming from that hard right, and I see, oh, my goodness, there's like this four-foot-wide opening that they're expecting us to go through, and it's surrounded by track all the way around. I'm like, I'm too tall. I am not going to fit through this. <laughs> and so, you know, like Pastor Chad, he looks great, and Pastor Chad, all those guys, I'm not that guy. I've been working a long time to maintain this. I'm not trying to like keto. I'm a biscuits and gravy guy. I don't really fit too good in those rides, okay? So we come around this thing, and this, and God's honest truth, this is all I remember. I remember seeing this and thinking that I'm going to die because it's this much lower than where my head is currently at on this, on this track. All I remember is winding up, like spring-loading my right side and going, wham, right to left as far and fast as I could go to get my head out of the way because the overhang was on the right-hand side. Next thing I know, the ride is stopped. And I slammed full force into my wife's head not a very romantic, impressive thing to do on the first ride of your day, okay? Not very impressive. 
And so we got off of the roller coaster and both had migraine headaches and ruined the rest of our day. Yes, I'm that guy. So anyway, we don't do roller coasters anymore. I'm like, I'll eat the nachos, you go do the roller coaster. We're good. So anyway, that, that, that got me thinking about vertical. And, and as we begin to launch today, what we have to know is that we must begin to shift the atmosphere from our normal everyday environment to an atmosphere that is vertical in order to walk in everything that God has for us. In just a minute, we're going to jump into our main text for the day. But I want you to notice that when we get there, that it says the header of this text of Scripture says to be mature. Do you know that it's God's desire for each of us to grow up? That he has more things, more levels that he wants to take us to? See, it's something that we've talked a lot about around here, that this is our grown-up year, that let's go to the next level, we're all in. We're going to do the hard things so that we can get to the next season of what God has for us. You see, some of us have been walking around the same old mountains for year after year after year after year. And we're like, God, where are you? Well, God's saying you need to be here, but you keep deciding that you're going to walk around this mountain, walk around the same old stuff that has enslaved you for the past decade. It's time for us to quit circling the mountain and move forward. Let me give you an example. When I was in youth ministry, I, I used this example a lot. I called it the Peter Pan syndrome. Has, how many of you have ever seen the old Disney movie Peter Pan? Uh, about half. Well, anyway, in that movie, there is a scene, and it got me thinking. The scene is, is that Wendy, who is obviously at a certain age, is in playing with the kids, and the dog knocks something over. And the dad, which I'm that guy, the dad would have come in, and the dad came in and said, Wendy, enough is enough. This is your last night in the nursery. And the next line is what jumped off the screen to me. He said, tomorrow you will grow up. And the next scene that follows that, Peter Pan flies through the window and says, Wendy, you don't have to listen to him. You don't have to grow up. Why don't you come with me, come to Neverland, to a place where you never have to grow up, a place where you never have to say you're sorry, a place where you can do what you want to do 24-7. And do you know that's what the enemy does to us? When we hear a message like today or a message series like All In, the enemy comes on our shoulder and he says, you don't have to listen to that. You don't have to, you don't have to grow up. What you're doing is good. Don't, don't, don't change what you're doing. See, the enemy doesn't want you to go to the next level. He doesn't want, you, he doesn't want this to be your grown-up year. So anyway, as we begin to go vertical, that just jumped off the page. That, that's how the enemy works in our lives, guys. That He says, you don't have to grow up. You don't have to, to be better. You don't have to strive. But you know, I believe that God is saying to us that we are beyond the nursery, that we are beyond those conversations, that we are beyond the fighting back and forth over petty things that it's time for us to move forward. We need to move on and graduate to the things that God has for us. It's way past time for most of us. Way past time for most of us. Many of us should have moved on years ago. But you know why we didn't? The reason that some of us never move on to what God has for us is because we like being in control. And we like 
having control over other people, keeping people on the hook, so to speak. So because we haven't released people, we haven't graduated to the next level because you're still harboring bitterness and offense and all these things that people may have done to you, but you have to let those go in order for this to be your grown-up year. Just like my coaster story, sometimes we have to step outside our comfort zone and let God be God. That's part of going vertical with your life. It's about giving what you have to God and asking for help with everything else. See, every time that we start to decide that we are going to move forward, the enemy comes back, just like he did in Peter Pan. And he begins to say, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You weren't the one that was wrong. They wronged you. The enemy says, come to Neverland, where you never have to change your bad attitude, where you never have to be inconvenienced, where you never have to go out of your way to, to rebuild a relationship with someone. You know, I heard something amazing this week, and it said the, we need to strive to restore our relationships. So many times in America, we like to replace our relationships instead of trying to restore them. There is a gift that comes with restoration. It is more beneficial for us to have a restoration of a relationship for, than for us just to replace one. Because we have an investment in that person and they have an investment in us. But the enemy comes and he wants you to never say you're sorry and never admit that you were wrong. What we must know is that God wants what's best for his kids. And part of that is all of us becoming more mature. That's part of us going to the next level. That's part of us going vertical. See, today, this is a little bit of an owl message. We've got to lay some groundwork so that we can live the full life. But we've got to take care of what's in front of us. See, God has a set of standards for our lives. and We must continually be working towards them even when it's difficult. Now, how many of you have ever been to a theme park? You just heard my story. How many of you have been to a theme park? Wow, a lot of you. Okay. If you've ever been to a theme park, you know that the biggest, most fun, and for me, the scariest rides are the ones that you have to be taller to get on, the ones that you have to be more mature to get on. Why in the world... If we're living without maturity in our life, why in the world would God give us the next thing if we can't handle the thing that he's given us? We have to grow up in order to graduate onto the next ride, the next level, the next season. It's part of going vertical. It's the same in God. We, if we can't get past our bad attitude and be mature, how can God give us bigger stuff than he has right now? If we leave here and treat our spouse like garbage and our kids like trash and we're just grumpy to everybody, how is that exemplifying what we're supposed to be a vessel of? How can God bless that? Because God won't pour out blessing on nothing. He has to have a structure that is striving in order for him to pour his glory out on you. Because the next thing that God has for you will require more maturity than you currently have in the season you're in. Know that. They say before you can preach a message, God has to preach it to you. That's where I've been the last six or seven months. 
that there's some things and there's some tough things that I've had to deal with and move through and decide that enough is enough, that I'm going towards the purpose and the calling that God has for me. I'm not going to get stuck going around the mountain anymore. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, in the message version, it says, notice the header, to be mature. It says, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run, on the road that God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. See, sometimes maturity looks like dying to what we want to do and saying yes to what God wants us to do. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm preaching a lot better than you're letting on. (laughs) I'm going to give you an example. I want everybody to sit on your hands. Everybody. I see you in the back. Come on. Everybody. This is 100% participation. Everybody sit on your hands for just a second. Now, all of a sudden, you're sitting on your hands and you're restricted. You can't give. You can't serve. You can't even use one of your hands to lay a hand on somebody and pray for them because you're restricted. Now, I want you to release your hands. See how much better that is? That's how God wants you to live. In freedom, not bound by something that should have never been holding you. When we release our hands, now our hands are willing to meet the needs of others. They're willing to serve. And they're willing to do whatever God has asked us to do. It's a simple exercise. But when you start to think of it spiritually, it can blow your mind. That we need to live free lives that are not bound by what the enemy wants to bind us up in. Spiritually, this is what happens so many times in church. We come and we sit on our hands. This is where we're going to step on some toes. So many times we're like, well, serving's not my thing. Watching other people's kids is not my thing. Picking up somebody's trash is not my thing. You know, I was talking to our team this week, and my mind was blown. As big as we are in the miracle that God is doing, that we have Dream Team members that serve three services every single week. They never get to attend a service because of the weight of the responsibility that is on their area for their part of the Dream Team. Looking around the room in this exercise, I saw a lot of hands. Wouldn't it be awesome if some of the hands that we just released got released into serving And we were able to send some of these people into a service to get filled up for themselves instead of just giving, giving, giving. So if you're not currently serving, I would love you to take your next step and join our dream team. There would be a lot of happy people to see you there serving alongside them and letting them come to a service. Now I love the ending of our text that we just read. It says, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. 
alert at noticing differences, and I want you to hear me. This is the point, the whole point of everything I've said. And quick at mending fences. Today's message is vertical week one, mending fences. We have to be quick to mend a fence so that God can pour out what he wants to pour on us. You see, the enemy enjoys doing things like putting small holes in each of our fences. Did you know that? The enemy wants to see all of you stuck in a place where you're not supposed to be, living a small life, thinking small thoughts, making bad decisions. The enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And he will stop at nothing until he tries to get you there. You know, it's the little things that the enemy tries to put between you and that person in your relationship. It's the little things that he tries to put between you and God. The little comments, the little offenses, the little last words of an argument. So many times, if he can just get one, then all of a sudden it's like when we make a bad decision, it's like, well, I've already... I've already eaten the double cheeseburger, so I might as well go ahead and get the cheese fries. And then, then you compound it with the ice cream, and by the time you know it, you're like, I just ate 7,000 calories. I can't eat for four days. <laughs> it's true. We've been, y'all been there. You know what I'm talking about. So anyway, the enemy's goal is to put just even one small hole in our fence because he knows that if he can get through one part of your wall, that odds are he can get through another and another and another. He would love nothing more than to keep us from going vertical in our relationship with God. You see, the enemy knows that if you have a little hole in your fence, that the little foxes will get in and destroy what you have worked for. The Bible says in Song of Songs 2 and 15 in the NIV, it says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. You know, I've been in ministry a long time, and um, one thing that you see so often is people come in and they get set free and they're, they're on fire and then they leave. And then three or four weeks later, they're just back in the same place they were. It's because they don't make a choice to change what they were doing. Amen. To change their friends, to change their atmosphere, to let the little foxes in. And once the little fox gets in, then it turns bigger and bigger and bigger into this monster you can't stop without God's help. We must become alert when something is off. And we must fix our walls quickly to avoid the enemy coming in and destroying what God has set up. We must be quick to be alert when something is off. Now, how many of you have ever made your cup of coffee or your cup of tea? And you take like a drink and you're like, all right, well, this is kind of weird. It doesn't taste right. And you're like, all right, let me take another drink. And then for some reason, we take like another drink and another drink. I don't know why we drink half the cup before we figure out that something's wrong. <laughs> so then we're like, all right, I got to go investigate this. So we go like to the, to the pod machine and we're like, all right, is the pod messed up? Is the filter messed up? And you're like, no, all that looks good. And you're like, all right, well, it must be like the coffee or the cream or something I put in. And you go to your fridge and like the milk that you put in your coffee was like 12 days out of date. And there is something that was off. Obviously, that's why your coffee was really terrible. Do you know so many times spiritually, if we flip that, 
we should be alert enough to know when something's off before we give it to somebody else. So many times I think that God just, he sends signs around us and we're just oblivious. We just keep, oh God, blessed and highly favored. Okay, that's awesome. I'm glad you're blessed and highly favored, but I need you to be alert when something is off. Have you ever walked into a room and something's just not right and you're like, I don't know what just happened or what conversation I just missed, but something is off. You're like, I got to go because I don't want any part of whatever that was that I just walked in after. We must become better at mending fences, guys. We have to. It's not a choice. We have to get better at this principle. See, God will not bless chaos. He's a God of order. He won't pour out something on nothing. We must have a structure in place in order for him to bless it. We are all building towards something every day, whether you know it or not, good or bad. We must be quick at mending our fences. Now let's step on toes for a second. That means that if you got into an argument Friday... And today's Sunday, and you still haven't reached out to that person and made it right, then we failed. Because what you left on Friday got to Saturday, and it got to Sunday, and then by the time you go home and you eat and you take a nap, it's going to be Monday, and then it's Tuesday, and you're like, why should I fix this now? It's too far gone. What will they think of me? No, that's not what we're supposed to do. There's not a gray area. The Bible says that if you have an issue with somebody, you go to them directly and you take care of it. If something got broken on Friday, you fix it on Friday so that you can have peace on Saturday. There's no sense for your world to be in chaos all weekend because you haven't dealt with something that needed dealt with. There's a great illustration of this in the Word. You see, there was a man named Nehemiah. And he saw that all the walls of Jerusalem were in disrepair. And so he's like, man, I've got to fix these walls. Not because he wanted pretty walls, but because he knew that when the walls were there before, that the people used to gather. That the people used to come and worship together as one in unity. But now that the walls were in disrepair, everybody was going their own way, doing their own thing. And so he's like, I've got to do something. I've got to step in. I've got to take action. But before he could begin to fix the walls, he did something very important, which is what I'm going to ask you to do for step one today. That is, in Nehemiah 2, 13, the New King James Version, it says, And I went out by the night through the valley gate, to the serpent well and the refused gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. So what I'm asking you to do for step one today in the process of mending fences is I need you to examine your wall. I need you to examine the fence, the part of your life that is broken because you can't fix something if you don't know that it's broken. And so this is not a fun thing. It's not a, oh, look at me thing. We're not going to run a lap. But it's a thing that is a must. It's a necessity in order for you to get to where God wants you to be. So number one, we're going to examine the fence. 
And as we walk through the walls of our lives, we might not want to acknowledge that there is a break or rubble where the wall was once strong. But it's something that we must do in order to go vertical in our relationship with God. We must examine the wall in order to start fixing all of our problem areas. And until, hear me, until we are willing to admit that there is an issue in the walls of our life, we won't be able to move forward. You can't get to the next level when you haven't beaten level one or level two or level three or whatever level you're at. And until we get specific, see so many times in church we hit things and they're very general and that's cool, but sometimes when you're going through hell, like you know what part of your life is messed up, sometimes we have to get specific and we have to say, this is the root of what's going on, I need to fix A, B, and C. And it's nice to have something general and that's cool, but until you decide that enough is enough and you get specific, it's not going to change. You have to have a specific thought pattern and action plan to make things better. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I know it's weird. Just close your eyes with me for a second. I want you to examine the walls of your life just for about 20 or 30 seconds. Just examine the walls that maybe were once strong and now you think that there's some, the enemy's real, really been trying to get you and, and put some holes in those walls and, and get those walls to try to come down and rubble. You can open your eyes. As we've examined our walls just for those 20 or 30 seconds, we kind of have a better picture of what we need to work towards for us as individuals. Now that we've examined them and we kind of know just, just a little bit of the problem, how do we begin to rebuild them? How do, we, how do we rebuild something that the enemy is trying to tear down? See, Nehemiah saw that there were so many breaks in the wall and I want to tell you today, if that's you and you're like, oh man, because listen, when I did this exercise for myself and I learned this principle, I was like, oh God, like how do I fix like these 35 or 40 areas like that are just not where you want them to be? And I just heard God speak to me softly and he said, you have to do one or two at a time. You have to start somewhere. So start with one or two. And then when you've got the principle down, do one or two more and then do one or two more and one or two more. And before you know it, you're going to start to see progress where there was once rubble. So don't get overwhelmed. Do one or two at a time. But then Nehemiah had a great plan. In Nehemiah 3.28, in the message version, it says, Above the horse gate, the priests worked, each priest repairing the wall in front of his own house. Wow. in front of his own house. So you mean that you want me to take accountability and responsibility for what's right out of my front window? Yes, I do. Because this is the way you start to move forward. Number two, have a specific plan. We talked about being general. You have to be specific in your action plan to be able to go vertical. So number one, you're going to examine your fence. Number two, you're going to have a specific action plan. See, Nehemiah's plan was for everyone to make the repairs in front of their own house. Genius, right? So basically his thought was is that if this wall is going to get rebuilt, that everybody's going to have to take personal accountability for what's in front of them. He needed them to fix what was directly in front of them. Get this. 
the parts of the wall they saw on a daily basis. See, so many times we get so numb to our surroundings and the, the parts of us that, we, that, that might be difficult for us to change, so we sweep them to the side and under the rug. I, God, that's too hard. I'm not going to fix that today. God, I'm just going to go like I never even saw it. I'm just going to go live life. And they say ignorance is bliss. And that's not the way it works in the kingdom, guys. I also believe that Nehemiah was saying to them, I don't need you to come and tell me the walls that are, where the walls are broken two streets down. I don't need you to come and tell me about the people that haven't started to work on their wall yet today. It's not your concern. I don't need you to tell me that the break in your wall and the mess around your wall is not as bad as somebody else's. I don't need you to do that. That's not your concern. In order for us to go vertical, we have to look straight ahead at what's in front of us and deal with us, and God will deal with everybody else. See, this is how change begins to happen. These are the messages that have changed my life and the things that God has opened my eyes to and the tough things, the things that I've had to work through to get better at. Nobody's perfect, but we're striving to be everything that he wants us to be. And when we are, when we are making an attempt to go vertical and to deal with all of the things in our life, I promise that God will pour out his blessing and his abundance and his glory on everything that your hand touches. We will, be, we will begin to mend fences when we take personal responsibility for our actions. Now let me give you an example. Pastor Josh, what do you think, what do you mean by fixing what's in front of us? I am not a patient person, just so you know. I'm very black and white. I have no room for nonsense. That's just me. It's how I'm wired. And so, like my kids, they test that all the time. I've got twins that are four, and it's awesome, and they're awesome. But there are days where you're just like, <sighs> so anyway, instead of responding, <laughs> I digress, or I'm going to need you all to help me do a therapy session here in a second. But anyway, there, we have a choice when we're in that moment. When we get frustrated with our kids or our spouses or people around us, we have a choice how we react. So like we either react and we fly off the handle, we make something that was not a big deal into something that's World War III. I've seen that over and over and over before. Or we have a choice to in the moment say, all right, God, let me step back. I'm going to fix this patient's problem today. I'm going to start right now. I'm going to take a step back. And I'm going to let my grace cup overflow, and I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to get down into that moment. I'm not going to get excited. I'm not going to turn something like not making a bed into World War III. It's not worth it. It's not worth that to have chaos in your life and, and to disrupt the atmosphere of your house. It's just not worth it. So that's fixing what's in front of me. As long as you're making a conscious effort to go vertical and say, hey, it's not about me flying off the hand. It's about me taking a step back and working on what's wrong with me today. That's fixing what's in front of us. So this message means that no, is nobody is off the hook. We all have things that we can do better. And I want to tell you something. I, I see a lot of people come in, sit in my office and chat with me and counseling and different things. And I can tell you it's not your spouse's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's not your coworker's fault. So many times we want to shift blame onto other people 
because we're afraid of what happens when we start really dealing with us. You'll find that as we begin to fix our walls and fix the things that are keeping us back from where God wants us to be, the people that you used to fuss about, you don't have time to fuss about them anymore. You know why? Because I'm so busy working on me, I don't have time to fuss about you. So busy working on me, I don't have time to fuss about other people. What can we fix right now that's right in front of us? Right here as we're sitting, I just want you to think about that for just a second. What can I fix today that will make my life better tomorrow? See, it's not always easy to roll up our sleeves and fix what's in front of us. It's much easier to tell other people what to do instead of fixing us. And that comes in a lot of forms. Well, I'm just, I'll just tell them like it is. Okay. You can tell them like it is when you have you together. I can't tell somebody else to have it together if I don't have it together. Right? And once you begin to walk this out, it's not long before you'll start seeing progress in your situation. But hear me, don't let the enemy fool you. You are making progress. Once you start this, you will be making progress. Don't let him fool you and come and whisper in your ear all these things and all these lies of you'll never get out of this, you'll never do that. My God is a God of awesome power and he has crushed the enemy's head and he has plans for me to prosper me, to put me on the path that he wants me on, to bless me abundantly and to take us to the next level. I believe that if you decide that enough is enough, that you're going to fix this today, that you're going to beat this sin, or you're going to beat depression, or you're going to beat this or that, I believe that God will honor that. Because it's a step towards what he wants you to do, the purpose and plan that he has for you. And I believe that as we step forward, not only will you be stepping forward, but I believe that he will be with you every step of the way. God will help us repair those things in our lives that are broken. All we have to do is ask. But what happened to Nehemiah was they started rebuilding the walls. Each, they were each fixing what was in front of them. And once they all started to make progress, something funny happened. They weren't down in the rubble, in the dirt, in the gunk anymore. It says that they were working from ladders because their walls had gotten so tall. They were working from ladders. Progress is a real thing. And as you make progress, your perspective starts to shift. And now you're not down in the old conversations that you were in. You're not down running with the same crew that you used to run with. There is an evident change that you are pursuing something different than what you've been doing for the last decade. As we make progress, the enemy starts to get nervous. The things that used to trip you up don't even entice you anymore. And you start to realize that you don't have to live down in that place where you've been stuck for so long. That God has so much more for you and that his plan is for you to go vertical. See, don't be surprised that as you make progress that the enemy starts to come after you harder. Anybody ever had that happen? You start like, bless God, I'm doing this. And you're like, one, two, three, four days in. And then like, whew, 
Everything breaks loose in your life. Let me tell you this, and I want you to hear me. You are not a threat to the enemy when you are doing his job for him. You're not a threat to the enemy when you're doing his job for him. You're keeping yourself stuck in places that you should have never been, and you're keeping yourself stuck in places that you were only meant to pass through. See, as Nehemiah was going up the ladder, and he was beginning to see the walls take shape, and they were getting formed, and they were getting taller, the enemy comes back to him. Isn't that what happens to us? The enemy says, stop working so that you can come and meet with me. What the enemy was doing was trying to get him distracted from the purpose that God had for him. His job was to rebuild the walls. But the enemy came and said, hey, 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 come down, have lunch with me, let's meet. And I love his response. In Nehemiah 6, 2 through 4, it says, The Sanballat and the Geshem sent me to, sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message again four times. And I answered them in the same manner each time. Now, as the band comes back, as we get ready to lay in this plane, I want you to really think about that passage, that anytime you start to do anything in the kingdom, that the enemy is always there. He's always on your shoulder. And if you are trying to fix your fence, here's point three, and I need you to hear this one. You must stay on your ladder and avoid the chatter. You have to stay on your ladder and you have to be intentional to see the enemy for who he really is and don't listen to his garbage. Now, if you go on and you continue the story, it says that they returned. Now, on the fifth time they returned, they accused him of something that he was not guilty of. And the enemy does that to a lot of us. He speaks things of your life that you've never done. You've never even thought about doing but by the time he says it for 37 times, you believe it. We have to begin to see the enemy for who he really is and have to be able to discern the difference. So they came back and they accused him of something that he wasn't guilty of. And then they said, this is, this is my favorite. We get this a lot in church. Well, you're doing it because you think you're better than everybody else. That's not true. We are very imperfect people serving a perfect God. And I love this because Nehemiah replies to them again after they came back saying all kinds of lies and stuff about him. In Nehemiah 6, 8, it says, I sent him back this. There is nothing to what you're saying. You've made everything up. See, some of us need to realize that as we begin to make progress, as we begin to go vertical, that the enemy will continually come back and 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 come back. Do you know what? He, he's trying to get you off the ladder. He's trying to get you away from the progress that you're making because he knows that if he can get you to take one step towards the bottom of the ladder, then you'll take the next one and the next one and the next one. 
And then pretty soon, you'll be down where you were in the rubble with the holes in your wall, and you will be in a terrible place, being miserable, living a small life, thinking small thoughts, making bad choices. The enemy is constantly making stuff up about us, and he's using it to play mind games with us. But we have to have a mindset that we are about a great work, church. That God has so much more for us than where we've been the last decade or the decade before that. Because I believe that 2018, 19, 20, 21 are going to be the best seasons of our life. Something that God really downloaded into me as I was prepping for this the last several months is that maturity is a decision. It's a choice that you make. Pastor Josh, why do you say that? I say that because I've seen really immature 50-year-olds and I've seen really mature 15-year-olds and everything in between. That leads me to believe that it's a choice for us to be mature. See, some of us are trying to make progress. And as you're making progress and you're on your ladder, you're like, no devil in hell can come against me. And then you get on Facebook. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull Pastor Chess. <laughs> then you get on Facebook. And while you're not commenting on the things and the threads that you used to comment on, you're still reading them. What are you allowing in? It's a big deal. Pastor Karen nailed it last week when she said, we have to be careful what we allow into the highway of our mind. have to be careful. We have to be about a great work. So this is our choice. It's a choice for us to be mature. It's a choice for this to be our grown-up year, for us to walk in the things that God has for us. It's a choice for us to not circle the mountain anymore. And as the prayer team gets ready to come up to the altar, as we get ready to do the last song, I would like you to stand and bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I don't know what the hole in your fence is today. I don't know what the hole is. I don't know what the attack the enemy has been bringing against you. But I do know that we are about a great work. And it's time for some of us to understand that and grab that and move forward. I don't know what walls you've been trying to rebuild on your own, but I do know one thing, that God is able. That He is the God of miracles and the God of enough and the God of just blessing. And right now, I want to do a couple things. First of all, if you're watching online or if you are in this house, you say, Pastor Josh, I don't know anything that you're talking about. I don't know Jesus I've never known him. I've never had a relationship. Or maybe you had one and you walked away and you're like, I just, I haven't been doing, I just, I need to get back to where I once was. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you out of your seat. All I would like you to do is to throw your hand up long enough for me to see it. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. All I need you to do is throw your hand up long enough for me to see it. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. 
and that hand and that hand. Bethesda, let's pray with each and every one of these individuals. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today asking that you would forgive us. God, that you would come into our hearts and that you would be our Lord and our Savior. And as we turn from our sin, God, we confess you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate. Now, real quick, I just feel God leading me to do this. If everybody could bow your heads one more time. If I've been preaching and, and talking to you today and, and your stories like mine, like you've just got some things you need to work on and, and you, you need to, some help getting your fences rebuilt, I just want you to stretch your hand forward. I want to pray. I just feel an anointing in the house to pray over those that need to mend some fences today, need to rebuild some walls, need to take a step towards their passion and their calling and their purpose. God, right now, God, I thank you for everybody that's under the sound of my voice. God, I thank you, God, that the, the, the word found fertile ground. And God, right now, I ask that you would intervene in each and every one of these situations, God. God, that you would come alongside each and every person, God, and you would help them to mend their fences right now in the name of Jesus. Devil, I bind you and I tell you that you have no place here, that you have to flee in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you would bring restoration, God, to relationships and families and jobs, God. I ask that you would reignite fires, God, for you. God, that you would draw people to yourself, God, that there would be a passion and a calling, God, and that you would begin to download people's purposes into their minds right now. And God, I just ask that you would come alongside, God, when the enemy tries to return and tries to whisper lies over them, I break those lies in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you would give divine wisdom, God, over each and every person to be able to discern the enemy for who he truly is and to be able to hear your voice like they've never heard you before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.